This is a crowd podcast. News was breaking that Dan Aziz is out and they had to hide it from Craig Spider Richards. I quite like Vidal Riley, Chevon Clark. He's tortured himself, basically. Do you reckon Teofimo Lopez ever been to Chorley? The blood was leaking from his face. And still, or and the new? Let's get on with it. I'm George. He's Deck. Hello. It's the George Groves Boxing Club. Greetings, Deck. Greetings, George. How are you on this wonderful Monday? I am really good. But I haven't quite finished my comprehensive lessons. I don't know if I should start with Salam deck. Is it is that would that be the right expression you need for where you're off to, obviously? Um this is our how about that episode where we review the weekend's action Monday morning. But you, Declan, it's a big week for you. You're off to um the Mecca area of boxing tomorrow, aren't you? <laughs> I am. I'm off to Saudi Arabia this week for uh, Tyson Fury against Francis Ngannou. How do you feel about the fight at Tyson Fury against uh, a debutante in uh, Francis Ngannou? I've got to be honest, I'm not like head over heels in love with it. I'm not, you know, bursting the seams with joy and excitement to see it. It could easily have gone sort of by the wayside for me. I might have missed it. And if something interesting happens, then... Oh, don't get me wrong. I'll be definitely there to uh, to wrap it up and lap it up. But you uh, have sort of thrown a spanner in the works. You've decided I'm going to drop everything, get out there to, to to cover this fight. Obviously, you're moonlighting with your part-time job at Boxing News other than uh, your full legitimate job here at the GGBC. There's that fight, but they've obviously spent millions and millions on the promo of it. Like they're really giving it a big push. It's the start of Riyadh season. Fabio Wardley and David Adelaide getting it on for the British and Commonwealth heavyweight titles on the on the undercard. Moses Town is on the undercard. Who else? Martin Bacoli is boxing Carlos Takam. That's a great fight. You know, there's a fight at the end of it. There's I've heard, I'm hearing, this is a little GGBC exclusive. I'm hearing that there's in the arena on the night, there's going to be two rings. One of them is where the undercard action is going to take place. And the other one is going to be, it's kind of built underground, but it's on a platform. It's cost millions and millions. And then the platform sort of raises up and the main event's going to take place in another ring. So there's two rings. It's very Saudi, isn't it? It's just like, let's just get two rings in. Why not? Sounds great. Maybe it's not going to be a ring then. Maybe it's going to be, you know, a circle. Yeah, or like in Squid Games, you know, where they play, they just sort of did it on like a... I can't remember what that was, but it wasn't a ring. But yeah, maybe they just mark out like some area and they're just going to fight. Mm. They could basically get do what they want in Saudi, although not if it's licensed by the board, I guess. I haven't seen Squid Games. I did read The Hunger Games, which they have like different, different sections. It's my third time in Saudi though. I did Khan Dib. I did Joshua Ruiz. I didn't get a visa for, your, uh, for you and Callum Smith. But every time I go back, it's changed a lot and it would have changed a lot since, certainly since that Khan fight, which is years ago now. So I'm interested to see what the score is. I'm interested to see what Tyson Fury's like. Sometimes these can be really up and down in fight week. Sometimes you don't want to speak to us at all. Sometimes he gives us the best stuff. Looking forward to that. Undercard's got to be crackers. I'm looking like Wardley Adelaide. Is, I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen there. Wardley's a big favourite as a champion, but he does start slowly sometimes. And if he gets caught by a big punch like Adelaide, who knows, maybe get taken out early, but we will wait and see. But the reason, the real interest for me while I'm there 
Alexander Usyk is going to be ringside because if all goes well for Tyson Fury and he comes through unscathed, no cuts, no broken hands, anything like that, they're going to announce Fury Usyk, which has been signed, but they just haven't got a date yet because it would depend on what happens with Fury. So they're going to do that. And I've heard it might even be in the ring after the fight and they do a head-to-head and they get it all going. That's the crack here. And that's why this is much bigger or more important in the grand scheme of things for boxing than, than an exhibition fight. You found some quotes, didn't you, George? from Anthony Joshua at the weekend. They want to put Usyk Fury, Joshua Wilder on the same night. That might not happen until April. When Fury gets through in Garnu, it's going to be late October, early November. So I doubt now he'll have enough time to prepare for Usyk and fight in December. It's too short. So the next window will probably be March, April. So that's probably when uh, the undisputed fight will potentially happen. Uh, then obviously... Uh, what we will be told is that we want to make it a mega night, mega card, and that sounds like Joshua Wilder on the same card as well. I don't think they need to wait till March, April to start with. Like conventionally, when you're trying to sell pay per views and sell tickets, you can't do it much earlier than March, April because it's just the wrong time of year. You know, people are still skint in February. Like it's still too cold to go outdoors. Whereas the Saudis are putting up the money, you know, they don't care about Christmas. They could easily do it in January, couldn't they? January. Uh, would everyone else in the world be excited about that fight in January as they, as much as they would be in April? I don't know. Might be something nice. January's usually dry. January's a bit dry, isn't it? Um, it's a bit bleak. It's a bit dark. But it's been dark, apparently, for Anthony Joshua. This is what I was going to ask you, Deck. He's been on a bit of a retreat. And the retreat is to, like, reset his mind, so I've been told. And, um... Well, basically, he spent four days in a dark room. Did you read about this? Do you, 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 I mean, you're cutting edge of this sort of thing. You know I mean, it was, I'd like to see the Stra- Strava post that he puts up four days in the dark. Alongside Beaumont getting arrested at Manchester Airport, this was one of the most surprising stories in boxing of the year so far. That Andy Joshua spent two grand. First of all, that struck me as quite cheap, but he spent four grand... No, sorry, he spent two grand to spend four days in a dark room with no nothing. Him and his mate went, but they went in separate rooms. And when they say dark room, are are they like total darkness? Can't even like see the hand in front of them? Or is it just like there's no lights, but you're still sitting around on a sofa like make a cup of tea and that apparently f- food gets slid underneath the door what the thing is i i can't get my head around it but it, it doesn't surprise me they call it infinite darkness so that must be like <laughs> you'll sit there and you can't see and you can't even see your hand and it doesn't surprise me that joshua's done it how do you know the food's been slid under the door do you like do your other senses get really heightened so like you can just smell it has he got to order it in braille is there like a braille menu in there or we just shout really loudly what you, what you want but he said we're isolated with nothing to do except relax and clear the mind while being immersed in infinite darkness i'm doing it for character if i go for a walk in the woods enjoy the scenery the birds chirping i'm going for peace in this though it's just me and my mind Poor, i don't know what i think i'd lose my mind but i don't know about you george maybe we should do this two grand up like have you got we could split it we'll go we'll go a bag each um and we'll do four days and we could do a proper we could do a pod afterwards just explaining what happened we could do a pod during really we fuck all else to do it there i mean i like how he says he could go for a scenic walk right in the woods listen to the birds cheap 
and it'll be peace as opposed to just him and his mind. So obviously just him and his mind is the opposite of peace. He's tortured himself, basically. I don't get this one, really. I've got to be honest, I'm not quite there on this one. You know, even if he said I've gone fishing for four days, you know, or I've gone castaway, Bear grills for four days or something, I go, that might be character building. But sit in the dark, you do that at home. That's, it sounds really depressing. I think it could have a profound effect on someone. Like really, four, four days in infinite darkness is insane. Anyway, I'm sure when people get hold of him, we can ask him about what happened there and how he felt. But I think it could have been one or two things with these quotes that he said at the Grand Prix in Texas. Either he's, that's a fresh news line and we're back in business with the double whammy or he's just so far off the pace with the, the news that this, that, that idea was skills challenge. Skills challenge are done and dusted for now. And now it's the entertainment, the general entertainment authority, which are doing this fight and which will be doing Fury Usyk. So either he's breaking news here or he's miles behind. I think he's miles behind because we're thinking, or we've been told December 23rd for Fury Usyk. And he's right, it is a quick turnaround. But if he goes and wipes out Ngannou in a round, straight back into camp or a week off or whatever, and then you know he's already fit, so we go into the Usyk fight. That's enough talk about Saudi Arabia, but I'll be off there and I'll be, um, I'll be reporting back. We'll see what the score is once we're there but we've had as is how about that we've got two big cards in the UK to discuss George let's start up north in Liverpool where Jack Catterall beat Jorge Linares uh, as the bookies expected unanimous decision as most people expected he won 116 116-112 117-111 the fight was pretty uneventful it was kind of what you might have expected Catterall hurt him in like the 6th um, but otherwise, you know what he does. He's very, very, very clever and very skilled. Um, we're not going to dwell on that fight too much. Let's talk about what might happen next. For Jorge Linares, George, he says he's retired. He said afterwards he's done. He might go and work with Salas as a coach. A bit of an icon of the sport. Do you think that's the last we've seen of him in the ring? Yeah, we had Robert Diaz on for our matchmaker episode and he talked brilliantly well throughout but he t we asked him what's the best bit of sort of matchmaking and sort of progressing of someone's career you've done and he came to Jorge Linares so if you haven't heard that episode definitely go back through the catalogue find Robert Diaz and he talks about him coming back after defeats and having to rebuild and what year was that that he's talking about? That feels like a... I can't remember what year it is now, but it was a long time ago. Yeah, that was his 56th fight, Linares. And the fight I think that Diaz was telling us about, like right down in sort of 2011, I think. And he's rebuilt. We know him from qualifiers. So we know him from Lomachenko and every, everyone else that he's boxed. Do you think his final stop was Liverpool, Jack Catterall? It could be. It could be one of them ones where, I don't know, does he get... What do they get in football where they get like a testimonial match they might give him like a testimonial fight let him go out on a win which would be nice for him he's not like totally out of his death he's, you know, he's comfortably beat by Catterall but so he's still there to do a job but I wonder I wonder what he wants out of boxing now does he does he want to be the b-side and get beat by you know fighters and then become that sort of gatekeeper um, opponent or does he you know at one point he's ranked in the in some people's pound for pound listings isn't he you know um, certainly in, in people's top tens you know when he was flying high at the top 
Uh, is he a three three weight world champion deck? Feather, super feather, and light. And I think the fact that he's just too small and too old for Jack Catterall, who's a, who's a fully fledged one forty pounder. I've seen him. He was over in London. He was training with Salas when uh, David Hay had Salas over to train with his team. It might have been Joe Joyce. It might have been a few others that he'd signed. Um, and Lenares was over. Um, and so, what year was that? That's got to be five, six years ago, maybe longer. Six, seven, seven years ago. I remember he had Louboutins on. He had the spiky Louboutins, which I've only seen women wear. But he wore, and he and he wore them well to his credit. But Catterall wins deck, and Catterall wants the rematch with Josh Taylor. I think Catterall was in very, like when we spoke to Lerone Richards, he's in that difficult spot where he's very hard to beat. He's not particularly exciting in terms of build-up. He keeps himself to himself. He doesn't say anything outlandish. He you know, just gets on with his business. And I think he will see the Josh Taylor fight as some as a fight that people will be interested in even so. And obviously there's the backstory of him should have got the decision and he didn't and it's the only defeat of his career. He's very highly ranked with all the governing bodies. The one they're talking about is the WBC. The current champion is Regis Progre who defends against Devin Haney in San Francisco in December. They're talking about wanting the winner of that. But I think they know that that's kind of unrealistic. Whereas Josh Taylor is realistic. The problem I see with the Taylor fight is he's just about done at, at light welterweight, isn't he? As far as we can tell. So then it's probably have to be a catch weight of like 143 or, or something like that. And then it gets any higher than that. Catcher will be like, no thanks. And then the whole fight will fall apart. Yeah, I think Josh Taylor's outgrown that that 140 limit. And if anything, this is a that time that fighters have where he's been beat. There's been no like scramble for, for for a rematch to get his belts back straight away. So move up to welterweight properly and um, sort of come again. Then if you're if you're Josh Taylor going up to the welterweight division, you don't want Catchwell really, do you? I mean, sure you want you might want to beat him and beat him soundly so you can put that to bed. But really, you know, you've got a tall order going up to welterweight and trying to impose yourself. You're going from the, the number one unified champion with every belt at like welterweight you get beat you go up to welterweight you know he's gonna need some clever matchmaking to get in the right fights that can settle him into that new division also looking good where he's gonna be still a contender to be challenging these top guys so and i just don't think cattle does it you know if it was guaranteed to be like a pay-per-view card you know two brits grudge match riley riley say well yeah of course you know there's lots of profile lots of press lots of promotion and lots of money but probably won't even generate close to the money that Josh Taylor's been getting as a champion fighting over here in stateside so I don't know I don't know for Catrall you'd like to see it happen but for Taylor I just I can't see it happen deck just to go through that division at 140 pounds which kind of for me, one of the more exciting divisions, although for sort of casual fans, maybe not. Like I said, Progre is a WBC champion who fights Haney, who's just moved up. I fancy Haney in that fight myself. WBA is Roly Romero. Remember him who boxed Javonta Davis? He's there trying to organise a fight with his manager challenger. It might even be agreed. And that's O'Hara Davis from Britain, who Jack Catcher has already beaten in the most boring fight I've ever seen. So please, can we keep O'Hara Davis away from Jack Catchell? IBF Subriel Matias, an absolute killer. Catterall is seven with the IBF, so it's not out of the question. Get a final eliminator. As you know, George, IBF will always sort of um, 
uphold their mandatories. If you get in a position, then you'll, you'll get your shot. WBO, of course, Teofimo Lopez. Um, so fucking good fights, hard fights. But he's, a, he's in a tough spot, Catrell, even though he's boxing well. I just wanted to, we got a message from Seb Sabune. He's a big Jack Catrell fan. He's probably the, the chairman of the Jack Catrell fan club. He said, Catrell and his corner were like one yesterday. Really impressed. He implemented everything Jamie Moore suggested almost instantly. They do seem to have a very good dynamic, don't they, those two um, up at that gym? Yeah, I think that they, they get each other. You know, Jamie Moore grew up in that old school pro, you know, gym and setup, but has moved with the times as well. Vast experience, box at a really good level. So... Um, no, I think I think they're they're flying, and the, it seems like a happy gym. So, seems to make sense. Deck seems to make sense. I mean, if I'm Catchall and I can't get Taylor, then what's his rankings like with the WBO? Then what's what's what about Tiafimo Lopez? You know, you, if you go for the guy that that beat the guy you allegedly should have beat. He's fifth in the rankings of the WBO. Above him, Richardson Hitchens, who's the zone guy who won the other week, Sandor Martin, the Spaniard. Jose Ramirez, we know Taylor beat him, and Arnold Barboza. So he's fifth. So he's probably a final eliminator away. Just to finish up on Catterall, if you could choose, what would you do? I'd get him a final eliminator for Tiafimo Lopez. Do you reckon Tiafimo Lopez ever been to Chorley? But anyway, let's talk about that as and when it happens. Let's have a break there, George, because then we're going down to London Town to talk York Hall. We're back down in London now. Landan, London Town. The boxer show, boxer promotions, had a bit of a horseshit sandwich come fight week. So I was actually at Sky the day that it broke. Um, I was moonlighting there. I was pitching in. I was helping Andy Scott, who's soon to become an Elite Cup member. He's too big. Can you believe of all the people we've met and had on the show, he's too big to come on our show. But I went on his show when they had to shuffle around the card, elevate, ECM, Isaac Chamberlain, uh, who's challenging Mikel Lawal for his British cruiserweight title. They had to shuffle him along from the O2 Arena to get him down into uh, York Hall. Where you was, Declan, you actually made made the trip over, didn't you? I did because York Hall is uh, a line bike, simply a line bike away from where I live in East London. So although it was pissing down, um, so I got the train. But yeah, I mean... First of all, big shout out to um, to Boxer for saving that card because how many times have we seen the main event fall through, especially on the week, and they just pull the whole thing? But Chamberlain against Lowell has already been cancelled once. So yeah, they moved it to York Hall instead of the O2. Uh, of course, Isaac Chamberlain, when we had him on, on the show, which was some time ago now, we asked him, what do you want most? And he said, I want to fight Mikel Lowell for the British title. And the Dream Factory has produced yet again. What would you like? Matt Lowell for the British title. That's the plan. That's the Get plan. straight man. back in there. Straight back, man. And then just see what is next. I would love to have a rematch with Chris again. His wish came true. Mikel Lowell, previously undefeated, by the way. So let me just set the scene for your call. I've got CBS sat in front of me. CBS, of course, beat Isaac Chamberlain. He did comms. We had Vidal Riley doing the stand-up thing you normally do. Johnny Nelson next to him. Anna Woolhouse anchoring the whole thing. Honestly, the place reeked of elite club members. Dre was there. Dre was there as well, up in the up in the gods. Honestly, it was George Groves Boxing Club. Neil Sibley was there. So yeah, Isaac Chamberlain. After all, oh, he's he's tried. He, he spoke to us a lot about what he's been through, but he never gave up. And he's British and Commonwealth cruiserweight champion. He won one nineteen, one eleven. 
and won 18, won 11 twice. So that's a very clear victory. No complaints at all. He, Lawal never got going, to be fair, and Chamberlain boxed his ears off. It was one of those where the build-up had been bitter and tetchy and it was like, oh, I'm going to knock you out and there'd be a war. Chamberlain just boxed to orders. Um, Bobby Mills, John Pegg in the corner, amazing work from them and mainly from Chamberlain to just carry it off to a T. I made him a really comfortable winner. There was no urgency from Luau, which was a bit bit disappointing. He's like he was he was dropping rounds at the start, but his corner was giving him really good instructions, telling him, you know, the technical stuff he needs to be doing and then also just gene him up with jumbo in his corner. You've got to get jumbo on the show soon. He usually that he might have been doing cuts for a while, but he was there, he was giving his uh his insight as well. Ringside and just trying to G him up. There was there was that element of like I wanted to see a bit more action. They it looked like the ring was tiny. Like uh I don't think it was the biggest ring. You you'd be able to tell more than me being seeing it there with you. There was periods in the early half, the first half of the fight where where Chamberlain's sort of really trying to put shots together, really trying to put a dent in um, Luau, uh, and he sort of doesn't. And then second half of the fight, I think he thought, well, you know, it's more important to win than to roll a dice here. And he was happy with a points win. And Luau just, yeah, didn't get going. Didn't find, did, did, no big shots came in. You know, he's billed as a really big puncher, but wasn't able to set nothing up. Wasn't able to land anything heavy. Congratulations to um, Isaac Chamberlain. You know he's had he's had a tough he's had a tough career to a certain degree. He's been matched hard. You know he's had to come back from defeats. He's had to can't get over injuries. Yeah, he's on he's on a new wave of of success. He's put together some good wins. It's another good win, and for Sky. They they get him out of the ring and they stand him next to uh, elite club member Videl Riley. Uh, and they're like, you two need to, to get it on. And uh, that was nice because for Del Riley's like, he, we had him on the show and he was talking about English titles. And I was like, yeah, I know, mate. I know that's what you're getting next. I know you can say that to your million YouTube followers who probably don't follow boxing. But the ones who do, like, you're surely better than an English title. We can talk about bigger titles than that in the very near future. So he's already eyeing up the British title now. He's already on Chamberlain's case. And uh, we might, well, we're certain that we'll end up with that fight very soon. And by the way, do you know who's filming that? Cameraman Tom. I quite like Vidal Riley, Chevron Clark. Yeah. Is that a harder fight for Vidal? Who wins? Um, Chamberlain or Clark? You'd have to pick Chamberlain based on experience, but Clark is coming, isn't he? He's... I'm talking Vidal Riley, Chevron Clark, and then the winner gets Chamberlain. Two different rival promoters. It ain't going to happen, is it? Like, <laughs> yeah, we can joke. It's not going to happen for like an eliminator for the British title. It would have to happen if like we end up like the the Wardley Adelaide sort of situ. Maybe there's just bigger money on the table. I don't know. Interested to see who the board call actually is um, as mandatory at cruiserweight because obviously Chamberlain just won it. And there's, they're queuing up. They're queuing up. We saw with Fraser Clark at heavyweight that actually Boxer pulled him out. But who's it going to be? It's going to be someone. If it is um, Chevron Clark, which I doubt at this stage, although he's got some good wins, but it's, oh, but it's such such good division. And fair fair play to Chamberlain for... He lost to Lawrence Coley back in the day. Obviously lost to CBS, broke his eye socket in the process. And he just never never stopped coming, and he got he got his rewards. And before the bell even rung for the twelfth, he's celebrating. He's so happy. He's crying at the end. It just means so much to him. Been such a journey for him. So it was wonderful, George. Um, just while we're there, Joshua Boazzi was actually ringside. 
he was supposed to be boxing, of course, Dan Aziz, who injured his back. It's one of them where I just hope, I don't know if you agree, that they reschedule it and that fight doesn't just fall by the wayside and they move on. Are we hoping we will see that still? It is a really good fight, isn't it? It's a really, really good fight. Who knows? It might get shelved depending on how, how long Dan Aziz is going to be out with his back injury for. Like, you know, is it saying that he's going to have to just um, smudge over and rush back? Or is it like, no, you've got to, you've got to rest and then start again and he's not going to be ready for another 16 weeks? You had Anthony Yard there who was supposed to be doing commentary. He got pied for Vidal Riley when the when the light heavyweight sort of got pied and, and the cruiserweights took over. But he was supposed to be there doing sort of the punditry work, obviously looking to get a fight with the winner of um, Buatzi Aziz. So we need to we need to tap up Yard, need to get him on the show, um, find out what his current situ is. But yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't want I wouldn't want to miss out on that fight deck. You know, I think Buatzi's like he was the protege, he was the prospect, he was the Olympian, he was the one who everyone thought was going to go a long way. Like the business end, like the promoters, the managers, the Eddie Hearns, the Frank Smiths. I think they had they thought. Buatzi, talent-wise, was going to get above the rest of that crop that turned over when they did. Commercially, you know, they might have thought, well, pretty boy Josh Kelly might might go further because we can build him in Sunderland or you know, up in the Newcastle, you know. But I think Buatzi's now at this stage where there's a lot of good light heavyweights in Britain and he's just going to dog it out and show his class and and fight these guys. He's already got a win um, over Craig Spider Richards. So I saw Craig this week, another ECM, and you know he's he's desperate to get back in the ring. He, <laughs> it, it, news was breaking that Dan Aziz is out, and they had to hide it from Craig Spider Richards because he's just that, he's such a layback dude. I can imagine him saying, "Oh, is he not fit?" Uh, I'm on weight. I don't mind. I'll fight. <laughs> and they're like, oh fuck. Can can they? Who's don't is ah uh, ooh ah? Who's he gonna tell? Oh no. Uh. So stressful times for a lot of the uh, the Sky Sports mob. It feels like I spoke to Ben Shalom at the presser uh, at a cinema in Myland on Thursday and just said, "Are you gonna? Is is this gonna reschedule or are you moving on?" And he said, "Reschedule." And he said ideal world before the end of the year um it's a back injury though so who knows how bad it is or whatever but all the signs are pointing towards reschedule not cancellation uh, i think dan aziz deserves it as well he's he's climbed the ladder and he admitted himself that buatsi was miles ahead of him when you know at one point in time but he's not anymore and we love dan aziz don't we one of the best episodes best responses we've had if you haven't listened to that episode i implore you to go back and listen to our dan aziz episode from back in the day um yeah i think that i think we'll we'll see it before the end and end of the year would be nice because it's a busy schedule um if they could sprinkle it in somewhere that would be lovely um just on the undercard george there was a few good fights i say few this was a four fight card this is the smallest boxing card I've ever covered. Was it really? A four? I saw them say four fights, but I thought that just meant four, five, uh, four fights on Sky. And there's been like three on the YouTube, or three on the YouTube channels before. And yeah, so for those who don't realise, on the on the broadcast that usually kicks off at like seven o'clock or whatever. Before that, normally there's like eight fights, people against journeymen or you know four or six rounders, and there'd be loads of them. And I'm in the arena watching every punch, but there were literally four fights. The broadcast was was the card that was Karis Hart in stall, who got the only stoppage of the night. 
She stopped her opponent in the second round, first stoppage of her career, 5-0. and oh. Then the second fight was Michael Hennessy Jr., son of Mick Hennessy, the promoter, um, who was beaten by Joe Laws, who stepped in on two weeks' notice. He said two weeks ago he was on his sofa eating cheesecake, which sounds nice. That guy is absolutely, could give Stevie Levy a run, a run for her money in terms of head case. We got, we got to get to the bottom of it. Uh, we'll say you can have a cheesecake if you come in, Joe. But yeah, he beat Michael Hennessy, an eight-rounder, so it was the ref's decision. Um, but there wasn't really any complaints. Um, Two-week notice, Hennessy was supposed to be boxing Harley Ben, who pulled out. Um, so Joe Laws stepped in from Benwell, the Benwell bomber up in, uh, in the Northeast, came down, did the business in York Hall. So now everything opens up for him again. Uh, and then the third fight, the fight of the night was... At light middleweight, Sam Gilly from Walthamstow, just around the corner from York Hall, uh, beat Louis Green on points, dropped him, beat uh, just like a York Hall classic tear up. I don't know if you can watch it on Sky, YouTube or whatever, but if you haven't seen it, go and try and seek it out because it was a, it was a great fight. And I must say, it's quite selfish, but I am all for, for fight cards. On Saudi, just in closing, George. Yeah. Wardley Adelaide. It's a proper fight on that card. We've had Fabio Wardley on, of course. He is the British heavyweight champion. This fight is for the British heavyweight title against David Adelaide, who Queen who won the bid. His promoter, Queensbury Promotions, won the bid, got Wardley over to defend his title. What do you think? Do you think and still or and the new? Adelaide, I don't you know, I've met him a couple of times. I've sparred Adelaide, actually, believe it or not. Barry O'Connell's State of Mind Gym. I think that's where it was. So shout out Barry O'Connell and State of Mind Gym, who he he would train like semi-pros, like white, like white collar club fighters. And that's what I thought Adelaide was. And then, but then I think he joined the Dale, Dale FABC. So another Dale boy flying the flag. And um, yeah, he turned pro. But I think the fundamentals with Wardley are going to take their time slash maybe never get there. He just looks like a tough man, doesn't he? He just looks like a really tough, hard man who's going to be tough to beat. I can imagine he's up for this. He feels like he's going out underdog lines, then someone else's card. He's going to have to upset the thing. And a little bit of pride's at stake because he's already copped a right hand. No, it was a big left hook, weren't it? A big check left hook from from an Adelaide was it family member, if that's not liable. Who should we say? On the red carpet. On the red carpet. The, but he didn't cover the blood, the... sadly, for him. He got up and he was a little bit concussed and a little bit of little trickle of blood was leaking from his face. He had a mad cut on his chin, which they somehow managed to patch up and get him fit and healthy. So, um, but that's going to be a cracker. Yeah, it might steal the show, Deck. might steal the show. Granted, you're away. I know you're away, but we are back Wednesday, Deck. As always, we never miss. And this is a stonker of an episode I'm, ex I'm very excited about this this is, an, this is a real coup a genuine coup because the guy we've got is very very incredibly busy I can't believe this is the sway that you still hold George that you can um, you can still snare these people and get them to give it their time and come and talk bollocks with us but yeah who, who we got he's a busy man but he is a very good friend too it is Dean Baker and I know you're thinking did he win heavyweight? He must be a cruiserweight. I said, no, no, he's not a cruiserweight. He is a sports agent. He was my agent for a large period of my career, commercially, and also took over a lot of the managerial stuff. He's one of the main men at 
Wasserman, who are now part of Wasserman Boxing. So he's on, he's in. Football agent by trade. So he's got loads of great stories, but he's going to teach us about the art of negotiation, Dick. Because at some point, you know, I'm going to have to negotiate with Rob Tebbett of Boxing News that I actually need you in the UK from time to time rather than you always fucking out in Saudi. So I'm hoping to pick up some tips from Dean, who's worked with a lot of different people, a lot of different industries, but within boxing, some really big names and he's got some great stories. So um, this is one not to be missed. Well, the thing is, if you're listening to us on Apple, that's the Dean Baker episode is going to drop on there. And if you are, it'd be lovely if you uh, did us a favor, did us a solid and wrote a review, five star only. That's a little bit more effort than hitting just the follow button in your podcast app. But if you do hit us with a five star review and a few nice words underneath, uh, you will become an Elite Club member. You will go in the mix for be your little credit being read out. That's one way of getting um, become an Elite. Follow button, write a review on Apple. Another way, like top tier Elite, um, is to click the link in the episode description and buy some merch. Uh, and if you're wondering whether to put the heating on or not, I'd say leave it and just get a hoodie. If you listen to this episode on Spotify, then search The Ring Walk. You can listen to our playlist. And if you've got a better suggestion that isn't on the playlist yet, send that to, send it through to the socials at GG Boxing Club on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Email us, ggboxingclub at crowdnetwork.co.uk. If you want to listen advertisement free, tell them how to do it, Deck. If you've just taken your AirPods out, thrown them on the floor and said, I've had enough of adverts, Amazon Music. Okay, well, that's enough of that, George. I've got to get a flight, but I will see you Wednesday. I hope you have a safe flight, Declan. See you Wednesday. See you, mate.